Black Lives Matter. Please do everything in your means to help secure justice for George Floyd and countless black people who have been oppressed by systemic racism and social injustice, whether that means joining in peaceful protests or donating to help the Black Lives Matter cause. Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Amit Mion. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello, I'm angry. Uh, well, I think most people are angry right now. Uh, something critical is happening uh, in the country right now. And, of course, it's not really related to game development, but it it sort of has its tendrils in every facet of life. So I think it's it's extremely important, and I think it's worth talking about. And of course, I'm talking about like the Black Lives Matter movement, and I guess specifically what we're seeing with um, the gaming industry in particular. I've noticed their response, and I've been quite pleased with it. We've had you know Sony, Microsoft, Nintendo uh, putting out you know support for Black Lives Matter as well as matching donations from their employees. So we've got funds going to the right places too, and I think that's a really cool way. Uh, this industry is supporting this historic moment. Yeah, and I, I know you have a, a message attached to the beginning of our episodes, but I just think yeah. you know, it might be good for me and Mike both. I, I'd like to personally express my support for the Black Lives Matter movement. You know, I've been donating, and I would encourage all of our listeners to as well. Yeah, yeah. even if you know, even if it's a dollar or two or whatever you can spare, I think anything that can or help can in this particular or- moment. So, you know, play a supportive role in the protest. There's a lot you can do uh, if you don't want to go out but still want to help. Uh, you know, there's stuff you can do even if you don't have money to spare. There are uh, several YouTube videos out you can just play in the background, and the ad revenue is supporting the cause. Um, I don't have a link available for that, but I'm sure you can find it if you look. Uh, you know, inf- information helps. A lot of these protesters are in scary positions, but information is super helpful to them. So, yeah. Yeah, you got to do something. Even if it's as little as retweet. You got to do something. Yeah, I think that's the key takeaway here because at this point I feel like doing nothing is just as bad as being against the movement. Right. Complacency is uh uh being on the side of the oppressor. Yeah. All right, that being said, have you guys seen the Support coming out from different game devs? Uh, I saw Nintendo's uh, post today, and uh, I know it wasn't, you know, the most. They're not donating money or anything, but the fact that Nintendo even acknowledged something happening in the West is kind of big for them. So Nintendo is historically very, like, they do not get involved in, you know, political situations. They don't get involved in, like, messages like this, even if it's for, like, an extremely good cause like this. Nintendo has historically been silent in these matters, so it's I think it's really cool for them to finally speak up. Granted, right. they spoke I, up a little after Sony and Microsoft, but the fact that well, they, they made their do. voice heard is important, I think. I, I fully expected them to not say anything, and I was... Same, yeah. So, I, I know talk is cheap, but the fact that they did it is something... Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sony's been good. I actually no Microsoft. Uh, I saw their statement. There was theirs was actually uh fairly powerful. I think they were talking about lifting up uh employees' voices to 
share, weren't they? Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I think they're going to be highlighting like uh, black employees, like I think weekly or monthly or something like that. That's a new initiative they have going forward. Um, and I was really kind of impressed. Uh, I know I follow Sony a little bit closer than you guys, but uh, Sony's Twitter, uh, whoever's handling that really sort of gets the message behind this movement. And they straight up engage with all of the, you know, trolls and I guess bigots, you know, that you'll inevitably get uh, in the Twitter comments. And they were actually engaging with them when they, you know, replied with, I think one guy replied with, you know, all lives matter. And then Sony said something like all lives will not matter until black lives matter. And I thought that was such a powerful statement. But yeah, I'm glad we're finally seeing people sort of get down and dirty because I think the philosophy that like we've tried the philosophy that, you know, you know, be better than them, like don't engage and stuff like that, nonviolence and like all of this. But like at a certain point, like every everyone and everything has a breaking point. And I think we've smashed through, uh, you know, the, the tolerance for racial injustice, especially in this country. Yeah, I agree. And, yeah, I mean, I'm just at a loss for words for a lot of it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to, I guess, well, maybe I do want to harp on this longer because it's important. But uh, the, the key takeaway, I think, is just support however you can. Yeah, I think I think Microsoft has the right idea um, saying that they're lifting up. Uh, their employees and giving them a voice because I think at least you know that's you know that's my take is that I've just been retweeting stuff I see because it's not I'm mad obviously but like it's not about me and it's not about you know I'm not black right I don't get it I couldn't possibly understand it yeah and um, I know this is unrelated but like I really enjoy seeing people like of fame, you know, sort like John Boyega is really made his voice heard. You know, uh, John Boyega is Finn in, in the new Star Wars films, and he's really kind of like a voice for for Black Lives Lives Matters and uh, really sort of outspoken and really kind of brazen almost. He's saying that he doesn't care if this ends his career. This is important, and he's going to make his voice heard. And I thought that was really cool. Similarly, like Seth Rogen of all people, like. Uh, may express his like extreme support of the movement even to go so far as like like everyone who trolled him in the comments saying like you know all lives matter and stuff he was just basically like you know what that's wrong and don't watch my movies i don't want your support anymore so yeah it's, it, it it's cool to see like we finally reached the point where like enough is enough and you know like this has to happen now like it's been bubbling for too long. Yeah, it's it's almost hard to, uh, you know, this isn't a normal thing we would talk about on the podcast because we don't typically get political on here. Although I think this is something that transcends politics. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't think about anything else. Like. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 and it's almost it's grown past just a U.S. thing. There are protests all over the world in various cities now, and I think this. I hope this is finally the the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of uh, injustice just isn't going to be tolerated anymore, racial injustice. And uh, this is the, the, the wave that we're seeing that'll cause real change, I hope at least. 
But yeah, obviously this this has dominated the news uh, in every industry, in every sort of uh, outlet of news possible. Like this is w- what's being talked about. But there are a couple of additional things that I kind of wanted to bring up if we're done talking about this topic, of course. Yeah, I think I'm good. I think I've said my piece. Yep. Uh, so you guys remember uh, the the Sega announcement that I brought to your attention like a week ago? Yeah, didn't that end up being uh, pretty disappointing? <laughs> So yeah, it's they the, said it was like a PlayStation 5 level announcement, and apparently it's a, a Game Gear Micro. Yeah, it feels kind of like a late April Fool's uh, announcement, because like, yeah. I mean, it's a neat collector's item, I guess, if you're into Sega, but like, who even had a Game Gear? Like, especially here. I mean, yeah, I'm I not mean, saying like, the Game Gear didn't have good games, because it, it uh... It largely was just a Master System, and I think that the Master System version of Sonic the Hedgehog is a super interesting thing to look at, but is it good? I don't know if I'm ready to say that. I mean, like, has Sega released, like, uh, a retro console classic like Nintendo has for the NES and SNES? Like, have they Uh, done that before with, like, the Dreamcast or something? Not with the Dreamcast. I've seen, like... Ret- I feel like Retro Genesis stuff has been available for, like, as long as I can remember. Like, plug-and-play Genesis stuff with a bunch of games on it. I don't yeah, know if those was, are yeah. official or not. I was going to say, like, it'd make more sense for them to make, like, a Genesis Classic or something than a, a Game Gear yeah, I think there Micro. Is a Genesis Classic, actually. Okay. Yeah, I think they released one a year ago or something. It's the Genesis... Like, all the good Genesis games have already been re-released in, like, 8,000 compilation games. Yeah, it's... Like, I think every major console... Even the PSP had a Genesis collection that was released straight by a Sega. Yeah, it really kind of... I don't know. It's strange. Yeah, and I it's mean, strange that they'd hype it up like this. Sega started re-releasing their games the moment they went under. Like, you know, one of the first things they released yeah. on GameCube was, like, the Sonic Gen... Or, uh, Sonic Anniversary Collection? I know the Sonic Gems Collection was basically just Sonic CD. The Mega Collection, maybe? Yeah, the Mega Collection. And then they released the Sonic Gems Collection later because uh, the Mega Collection didn't have CD on it. I I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask, though, because I have zero Sega nostalgia. Uh, Sega console nostalgia. Obviously, we've talked about it before, and I love (laughs) Sonic the Hedgehog. Right. But uh, But that's the thing, though. Like, if Sega had held on to Sonic exclusively then i don't know maybe like the prospect of having a sonic only console would be exciting but like i would have never played like if sonic hadn't come to nintendo consoles i wouldn't know who he was today like oh that's not true i know a lot about games today but like growing up i never would have played a sonic game you know i wouldn't have any nostalgia yeah definitely because i think my first sonic experience was actually on the gamecube yeah mine was sonic adventure 2 on the gamecube So, but yeah, yeah the, the Game Gear is cool. I mean, because you know, objectively looking back, the Game Gear was probably a better product than the Game Boy. But like, you know, we know how that went. The Game Boy obviously won that fight. Mm-hmm. I do yeah, think it's interesting obviously. that Sega released a classic handheld before Nintendo did, though. Yeah, that's 
so bizarre to me, actually. Now that, I didn't even think about that, but now that you mention it, like, how is that even possible? Because if like, Nintendo if, released like a if Nintendo released a Game Boy, uh, you know, classic or like I don't even know, know how they would release it though, because Nintendo doesn't consider the Game Boy Color a step up from the Game Boy. So I wonder if they would like. And there's so much culture to capture in the Game Boy. I'm actually super in the Game Boy right now, so I, I want to talk about this for a second. Like, they're the games with like super Game Boy support, and I feel like if you release a Game Boy Classic that doesn't have any options to like show some of the super Game Boy features, you'd be missing out. But also, like, I would want it to look like either a Game Boy Color, a Game Boy Pocket, or the DMG, essentially. And like, those don't have anywhere for the borders and stuff that were super cool on the. Super Game Boy, and, like, I would mm. want a backlit screen, but, like, part of the fun, uh, like, I, I have an original Game Boy now, and, like, part of the reason I like having one is that, like, the the games were designed because of the limitations of that screen, like, the way that sprites would kind of have to, like, blur a little bit if they were moving and stuff, mm. that affected a lot of the game design, and, like, it's not, it's objectively not a very good thing, like, the later Game Boy models kind of didn't have it anymore, but, like, I don't know. You lose some of that. So so maybe that's why they haven't done it. But I would love a Game Boy Color classic that was just, you know, looked like a Game Boy Color but didn't have a cartridge slot or something and just had Absolutely. a ton of games on it. And that you know, all the Super Mario like Lands. Hotcakes. Oh, yeah. Like thing, I mean, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it's it's baffling to me why Nintendo hasn't done this yet. Like, they could keep going, you know, like an Advanced Classic and a DS Classic, you know, the... There's so much, I feel like, money to be had there. Yeah, I mean, they still haven't even done the N64 Classic, so... Yeah, that that was, uh, you know, like, the NES Classic happened, then the SNES Classic, and the following year was, you know, everyone's, like, N64 Classic, but it, I think it's been, like, a couple years now, maybe? Yeah, and, do either of you guys have the, the NES and SNES Classic? No. I, I have a Raspberry Pi, so... Ah, I, I picked up both. Um, well, one was a gift, and I picked up the other one. Uh, I really like them, uh, or at least I did before I got like into um, retro notoriously, collection. Notoriously short, like, controller wires? Yeah, but it was 10 bucks for an extension cable, and so I picked up two extension cables, and the uh, the same cable works for the NES and the SNES. That's good. Yeah, so I, I just picked up a 10-foot cable, but yeah, they're, they're stupidly short, like, unusably short. Mm-hmm. Like, to scale with how small the console is short. <laughs> but uh, I I really like them. I think they're... I mean, the games on there hold up on both of them. No, I wouldn't say all the NES games hold up, but, like... <laughs> you know, Super Mario Bros. 3 is still one of my favorite games to play. Metroid is good. The original Zelda and Zelda 2 are both good. Super Mario Bros., while, like... Mario, You know, Super Mario Bros. is one of those games that's really good, but if it's your favorite game, you're kind of crazy. But <laughs> so do you there's a lot of good that, games on there. Do you think that maybe the reason we haven't seen an N64 classic is that they're working out like the <clears throat> the rights for some of the N64 games? Because you know, like Rare was a big component of like classic N64 games back in the day, and obviously Rare is no longer with Nintendo. That's a possibility, so, but another possibility that I that I just don't think about much is that the N64's library is very small. It is, but, like, if you want to pick out, like, what, the the NES and SNES Classic had, like, what, 20 games? 
each? Uh, the NES had, I think, closer to 30, but yeah, the Super NES was about 20. So I feel like you could scrounge up, like, 20 games for the N64, and obviously, like, some of them are going to be all-time classics, like Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. But, like, for games, you know, like Banjo-Kazooie and Perfect Dark and... <clears throat> yeah, I just don't know... I don't know if I could list 20, like, must-have N64 games. I feel like you could get close. You know, GoldenEye, yeah. but obviously GoldenEye is, it's, I think, with Activision now or something? Yeah, it'd be complicated. Yeah, so, like, yeah, that's what I'm getting at. Like, I think there's some issues, like... Not again, the NES Classic like, and Mega Man and stuff, like... You know, if you if your average, like, retro... Uh, retro-oriented consumer went out to buy an N64 Classic... And it didn't have these games on it. They'd feel kind of cheated, I think, without knowing the sort of background about how these studios changed over the years. Yeah. Sort of like how the PS1 Classic kind of bombed. Because, like, yeah. they didn't have, like, you know, when I think of the the iconic PS1 games, a lot of them aren't first party. Like, Tony Hawk Pro Skater is the one that was, mm-hmm. like, gl- a glaring omission to me. Yeah. So. And then, uh, you know, Sony just also didn't want to include games like Spyro and Crash because they had just released the remasters, or Activision had just released the remasters. Oh, because I guess they didn't own those characters. God. <laughs> yeah, it's it's complicated now. Yeah. <laughs> games are wild. Yeah. So just speaking of Sony, if we remember last episode, we had a rumor that the... PlayStation 5 games reveal was imminent and was supposed to happen sometimes th- this week. And God, like one week feels like such a long amount of time now. Is that just me? Like, I feel yeah, like no, last I mean, week it feels forever. like the world can change in a week right now. Yeah. But within that time span, we had Sony come out and announce the event for June 4th. Um, actually put out ads on like huge networks like ESPN advertising that, which is insane, by the way. And then they ended up delaying that event, uh, obviously due to what's happening right now in the USA, and also uh, the fact that uh, June 4th is George Floyd's memorial service. It would just be an extremely poor taste to have something like that on that day. Um, So it has been delayed again um, for for anyone that was tracking that. Which, you know, I think, obviously, they made the right move there. Oh, yeah, because, you know... Next gen, it's it's weird to even talk about these two things in the same sentence because like video games are important to us, but in the grand scheme of things, not very important at all. Yeah, I mean it's and, entertainment, like, right? And, yeah, like entertainment and, can uh, take a backseat to human rights. But like, yeah, you know, we want next gen to be a t- uh, something we celebrate. And now is just not the time to celebrate pretty yeah, much anything. And I think that language was pretty congruous with what Sony actually said in their official statement. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that is coming at a later date, but um, other than that, I feel like it's been sort of like a, it, ob- like obviously it, it's been like a slow news week for games, and we know all know why. But yeah, yeah. Every, gaming's been slowed down because of this, and for good reason. Some some people in the Twitter comments are being vile, but. That's gonna happen. I mean, that's that's Twitter comments. Like, yeah, yeah. I was actually surprised to see this. Uh, I, I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but I'm not a big fan of PewDiePie. And yeah, he's, uh, he's, he's made some. Said he's and done, done some, some questionable things. 
so, some racist things, but um, he did a Terraria live stream today uh, with the proceeds going to the Black Lives Matter movement. And he's not, you know, he's not American. He's not, uh, he's not black, you know, he's totally, he couldn't be more removed from the situation and he's expressing support. So yeah, I'm playing one of my favorite games of all time. So yeah, I, I think, and we've said this earlier, but this incident really is sort of opening people's eyes to the reality that has been the reality for years and decades even, but like so many people like of privilege have been blind to it. But I think this is finally opening people's eyes, Uh, especially if we have people like PewDiePie, like supporting. I don't know how you like, I honestly don't know how somebody couldn't be on the protester side and all this after seeing the stuff I've seen on Twitter and all like medics being attacked, you know, like, yeah, cartoonishly evil things happening. It is unfortunate to say, but like, I think that the reason why we still have like a good chunk of people that are opposed to this is because, you know, a lot of people like people who have the privilege, like they are very sort of set in their beliefs a lot of the time and and, you know, are very averse to changing their way of thinking, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I I also I'm just going to go out and say, like, the people who say that politics should be kept out of video games are wrong. Like, that's such a cold, that's such a stupid take every single time it's said. Because there is no such thing as art without political influence. Yeah. It's not possible. I I see it all the time. I see the the, video games make me mad when people say it because it's people playing Call of Duty and stuff and saying they should keep politics out of it. And how can you make a game about warfare without discussing politics? It's impossible. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the marketing team behind Call of Duty is just as responsible for all that. But uh, my favorite is always people getting mad at, like, Marvel for politicizing things, you know. Let's look at the company that made X-Men of all series and tell them to keep yeah. politics out of their work. Yeah. Like, I don't I, I don't know how anybody could It's actually, very stupid. Yeah, it's so... It's very stupid, but I, I think yeah. I'm trying to see it from, you know, someone who would think that way's perspective. And I think they're just trying to get entertainment in a bubble, like in a vacuum, right? It's, like, without it's any a, sort of... It's such a level of privilege that you could see these works exactly, and yeah. not see the real world. Because that's what it is. They're not – they really have experienced these things, like these these pieces of media, and thought that this is just a story that has nothing to do with real life. Because, the, you know, uh, some people are lucky enough to to be so privileged to not see the real terrible things that these stories are based off of. Yeah. And yeah. – uh, You know, and that's it's okay to be unintentionally ignorant. It's not okay to be angry when someone tries to show you the truth. Yeah, I mean, I even that statement I'm starting to take issue with now. Maybe I wouldn't have a few years ago, but like I feel like it's almost not okay to be unintentionally ignorant at this point. It's like you there's so many resources out there to just be educated. It would would be like you almost have an obligation to be educated at this point. Yeah, I, I, I would go as far as to say it's difficult to remain uneducated at this point. Yeah, you'd have to be willfully ignorant, I think. Yeah, and that's not okay. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's something that's always got on my nerves and stuff, because, like, 
uh, you know, you always hear about, like, Gamergate and, like, forced diversity and stuff in games and how it politicizes the, uh, the medium. And, like, there is no medium that's not already politicized. That's just... You, there is no apolitical art. Yeah, and I think... I obviously, you know, like I don't want to paint all gamers in a bad with a bad brush, but like I think gamers are especially known for being entitled, you know, like there's so much console warring and whining of when when new systems come out, new games come out, new exclusives come out, like gamers as a whole are a very entitled bunch, I think. And I think that bleeds over into uh, you know, everything else, which is really not good. Yeah. But uh, that's just something I had to rant about for a minute. It's something me no, and this my... is this is a yeah. ranty episode. Get all your this rants. This is a very ranty episode. <laughs> yeah. And like for me, I've engaged a lot of personal growth in the last nine years. If you would have told me nine years ago that I'd be participating in like a Black Lives Matter protest, me being the edgy teenager that I was nine years ago would have laughed at you. And the edgy teenager who had the, you know, somewhat, I don't know if misfortune's the word, but uh, you grew up in backwoods West Virginia, right? So, like... I grew up in Morgantown for a good chunk of my life, though. Oh, That's really? Okay. I thought you were from uh, Brewston. Uh, no. Well, Brewston okay. was where I grew. Okay, Morgantown's not, not such an easy place to grow up racist, then, but... But that's like, no, that's like a really good point, though. Like, that's such a good thing. You know, like you did the normal thing where like you as you grew older, you you grew and you listened and you developed your viewpoints into something yeah. that wasn't disgusting. I became oh, yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, I, I would say back in middle school, I was just pretty apathetic to the whole thing. I, I had it in my head that like, you know, the civil rights movement happened and things were fine now. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, as the case. I mean, that's what you're taught, essentially, and in school. Yeah, and but. and I think, especially now, like, I wonder if we did a thought experiment, like, if we were kids now, how would it be? I think it would be different, right? Like, yeah. even kids have so much information at their fingertips, but, like, then again, kids are easy to sort of teach the wrong things, too, because... Oh, yeah, this I, isn't games Kids related, are like but... sponges, right? Kids are like sponges. They soak up whatever's around them. Have you uh, seen what Nick Jr. Uh, did? Yes, uh, I was very very impressed. I, it was just Nickelodeon, right, as a whole. I thought it was uh, Nick just... Jr. as well. Okay, well, could have been. I, but I yeah. could be wrong about that, but I saw I saw parents complaining on Facebook, which is totally wrong because you know it's not like there was anything graphic shown in any of these messages that Nick Nickelodeon showed. They were just trying yeah. to. I think that that also ties into the problem of like people wanting their entertainment in a vacuum, right? They're like, I come to this thing to laugh and have fun times. Like, why is this real world stuff being here? Uh, right. And I think that that's a really dangerous sort of mentality to have. Yeah, and I yeah, I get like you know there are some things that are just a form of escapism for you. Like, you know, I. I fire up the Binding of Isaac, for instance, you know, that's a game I play, you know, I'm not thinking about it at all. It's, uh, you know, but and I do the same thing. I, I get on Twitter a lot and I'm just like looking at memes and like that's like a relaxing turn my brain off thing. Yeah. And, and it is difficult that that is not possible right now, but it can't, you know, you can't close your eyes to what's happening in the world. <laughs> You just can't. Yeah. 
Yeah, especially at times like these, you know, like I, it really feels more and more like this is the moment. And if we let this slip through our fingers, then we're we're going to let it go forever. Almost yeah, it I feels agree. like that. Way. So what games have you guys been playing this week? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. OK, so I can go first, I guess. And uh, I've actually got something really fun to report this week. Uh, I have been playing Bug Fables, the Everlasting Sapling. Oh, I've heard so much about this game. I've I've actually been close to picking it up because it's just so charming. Yeah, I bought it at full price. But if you guys don't know what this is, this is an indie game that is essentially a love letter to the original Paper Mario games. So Paper Mario and Paper Mario the Thousand Year Door. Um, So much so, like, it is basically just Paper Mario in a different skin, which is awesome to me i love that <clears throat> i'm a bugs, like, which is just super adorable yeah and like just a weird thought in my head like what's what's the deal with like super high quality bug based indie games because we've got hollow knight and now we've got this and obviously you know I what i really think it is i think they look cool like and they're bugs, so easy to like cool, yeah <laughs> yeah they're just so easy to draw in a or I, i'm not gonna say easy that's not right because i don't know how hard it is to do this stuff i can't draw anyway but like they they're able to make it look so charming and everything and expressive. Yeah. And and um yeah, I've been playing it and I'm over 3 hours into the game and I'm really digging it. So like you play as a core cast of 3 characters and I guess that differentiates it from Paper Mario a little bit, right? Cuz you have Mario and then you get an assortment of partners as you progress through the game. But as far as I know in this game you just have the 3 protagonists. Uh, which is um, who are uh, V, uh, and she's a bee. And then you have uh, Kabu, and he's like a beetle, I think. And Leaf, who's a moth. And uh, V's like, and they have like their traditional like RPG roles. Like V's like your ranged fighter. She has like a boomerang. Kabu's like the tank, and Leaf is like the mage, right? He has like ice powers, which don't ask me how a bug has ice powers, but he does. And I think the biggest thing I've sort of been surprised by <clears throat> this game so far, like, yes, it's got the exact Paper Mario combat. It's, like, even got some exact animations from Paper Mario. Like, it is shamelessly ripping off Paper Mario. And I think that's a good thing, honestly. Like, we need another game like this. But I think what really is unique and special about this game is the world and the world building. Like, I've been very impressed with that aspect so far. So, like, the premise of the whole premise of the game is something that really appeals to me uh in which it's just like uh, you've got like this queen figure who's got sort of like a shadowy past obviously i think that's going to come up later in the game but like she formed like this uh basically like hunter x hunter reference if anyone watches hunter x hunter it's basically the hunters associ- association right so you have like these squads of bugs uh, who are explorers that go searching for the everlasting sapling, which is like this mythical treasure uh, that the queen has been searching for. And um, like in addition to the everlasting sapling, there are all sorts of other treasures scattered about the land. And like the game starts with you forming your party and hunting one of these treasures from Snakemouth Den, which is known to like. Like, it, like, all the explorers who come in never come out. It's a dangerous place, but that's where your first adventure takes place. And you end up retrieving the treasure from there, and you become an official exploration team, christened by the queen and all of that. 
And uh, <clears throat> that's kind of where I am in the game now. Like I'm setting off to the the I think I'm setting off to the B kingdom. Right. So there's like different kingdoms too. like you start out in the ant kingdom. There's a B kingdom. I don't know what else there is. Uh, but like it seems to me that like the world is so rich and 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 fleshed out, which I really sort of dig. And I, I, I love the concept of a good old like treasure hunt uh, as like the focal point for a story. So that's that's something that's really appealing to me. Like I want to know what the everlasting sapling is, what it does, like why people want it. And um, yeah, I, I'm just really enjoying this game. Uh, like I said, the combat is straight up like turn. I know Connor, this is probably a big turnoff for you, but it's it's traditional turn-based Paper Mario combat. Uh, so much so that like even like the inputs, like you know how Mario, like when you wanted to do a hammer attack, you held the left stick back and then like let go on count four or whatever. Like Kabu's yeah. main attack is you hold l- hold the stick down and then you let go and cu- count four. It's like virtually the same. Even like the attacks have the same sort of inputs and stuff. Yeah, Paper Mario and now Bug Fable and Mario and Luigi's turn-based combat has always been fairly inoffensive to me. Uh, and it's always been pleasant to play just because the writing is so good. And from, from what I've heard, Bug Fable maintains that level of quality. I have heard Bug Fable described as the best Paper Mario game by wow, some people. That's See, like some, from what I've played so far, obviously I'm still early on, but I wouldn't call it that. I, I think it's very, very good, but I think it's just missing that little bit of extra charm that puts Paper Mario over the top for me. Granted, is the I'm humor there? in the game. I could be wrong. Because what you've really... described so far sounds kind of more like an epic quest. And I like... mean, it, it's lighthearted. It's lighthearted, but I I don't think it's funny, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, that makes I enjoy sense. the lighthearted dialogue, but like it's never made me chuckle so far, at least. Uh, but I have grown very attached to the three primary characters. Like, V is all spunky and, like, headstrong, and Kabu's more careful and, like, honorable. And Leaf is very mysterious because uh, I, this is very early spoilers. Uh, but if do, – do you, do you guys care about such things? Mind. Okay, so Leaf you, – you start out the game as V and Kabu, actually, and then you find Leaf in Snakemouth Den, and he join his, joins your party there. Um, but basically you discover that Leaf, Leaf, once he escapes Snake Mouth, he, and gets back to the Ant Kingdom, he's like, something's wrong, something doesn't make sense. And when you talk to him, he's just like, yeah, when I entered the den, uh, the previous queen was the queen. So basically, like, he's been sort of, like, frozen in time or something. Something's been going on with Leaf. So that character's got a little bit of intrigue to him there. So I'm just really excited to see where all these threads finally lead. And, like, I could keep going on about this game forever, but I think one thing that bears mentioning, if you guys have played the the first two Paper Mario games, a, a big part of it to me, like, a big, like, side piece of it to me was, like, the, the recipe finding. Do you guys know about this? I do. Right, so, like, this game has that basically ripped straight from Paper Mario, right? So, like, you can... There's this um, the hub sort of area, like the the uh, the ant kingdom is 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 pretty huge actually, and um, in like the commercial area, there's like a chef right, and you can bring that chef various ingredients, and he can cook one ingredient or two ingredients at a time, and just like Paper Mario, if you give him like two ingredients that are incompatible, he gives you a mistake, which is straight ripped from Paper Mario. Like they even call it a mistake, 
which is exactly what it was in Paper Mario, which I think is really funny. But like you've got like your recipe book and you I, I, I always love that in the old Paper Mario games because I would like try out various recipes and see what worked and what didn't work. And you've got yeah, so you've got your recipe book. You've also got like a quest log and stuff. There's side quests in the game you can take. It's it's really sort of surprising me with the breadth of it all. And just like Paper Mario, it's got like a BP system, like badge power system. So you can literally find like badges that cost different BP that you can equip that give you different mod- modifiers and stuff. So it really is on almost every conceivable level just a Paper Mario game. The only sort of differentiator, which is kind of weird, is that the it's just it's paper, but like they never point out the paperiness, which I really kind of like, but I also find it a little weird. You know, like they're just paper for the graphical aesthetic. Like never once have they like floated down or anything like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like I think they're just paper to harken back to the Paper Mario art style, I think. I think that's the only reason. But yeah, I I love this game. I'm excited to see where it goes. And I highly recommend everyone pick it up. I think I paid I, 25 bucks for it for full price. And from what I've played so far, I'd say that's absolutely worth it. Um, yeah, the second great bug-based indie game I've played in recent memory. So I'm excited to get more into it. Uh, Mike, what about you? So, I've been playing a little space trucking game called Elite Dangerous. Oof. I've, I've been on the edge of buying that for so long. And I, Steam says I have, like, 40, 23 hours in it, but that's because some process was running in the background accidentally that was keeping it live on Steam. It was, like, a hardware reporter or something. Hmm. But so far, game's hard. <laughs> So what do you what do you do in Elite Dangerous? Because I've heard the name before, but I don't really have any inkling of what it is. It's a space based game where you're just it's like a realistic in quotes space like trucking yeah. thing, like you described it, isn't it? It's very much space trucking, but you don't have to do trucking. Trucking? So you're like, like shipping like you things? Can, yeah, you don't. You could ship things, but you really don't you have can to. Can't you? You can mine, you can bounty hunt, you can land on planets. I've been thinking about picking it up just for its VR component. Yeah, I think VR and space simulator type games are like a match made in heaven. Yeah, because the idea of just chilling in my VR spaceship. I mean, the spaceships are insanely detailed. (laughs) So is there like a story or is it more of just like a sandbox? I don't know yet. I haven't gotten that far. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) it is very much a standbo- sandbox, though. Interesting. I never even thought of that as like a possible genre of game, like a space trucking game. It's, that's that's a new one to me. Yeah, that's always how I've heard it described, and it uh, it's weirdly attractive to me as like a zen kind of experience in VR. I mean, yeah. I probably enjoy it the standard way too. I've also heard that. Um, uh, is it HOTUS, they, they call it? Hands on the actual system controllers are super cool with Elite Dangerous, which is like, you know, you have a bunch, you, you don't use your keyboard and mouse or a controller. You actually have like a the big spaceship's dashboard in front of you. Yeah, or you actually buy that and use it. And a lot of people wild. have that plus VR. People get really into Elite Dangerous. Oh, I God. hear spaceships. Yeah, sounds... 
are incredibly cool. difficult to learn how to fly at first. Yeah. Like, I have so many buttons I have to press just to, like, look around my cockpit and pop up uh, anything. Sounds crazy. Say if I want to, like, land at a station, I have to request access at the station. That's an older code, sir, but it checks out. <laughs> like, it is goofy. Yeah, it, it really sort of fascinates me. There's like this style of game where like you they go like hard in like realistic space simulation and just like the craft is actually impossible to fly, much like a real spacecraft. But like I don't know, those sort of games really intrigue me because it's just like it's it's kind of the opposite to like player accessibility, but it's just like if you master this, it's like really fulfilling. I don't know, it's an interesting concept. Got anything else to? Uh, share with us mike not really it's it's very self-explanatory it's a almost simulation of space and i'm having a blast playing it i might be playing it right now and is trying to <laughs> scramble around my cockpit to get the air back online but you know is it based on like our solar system or is it like somewhere else in space uh it is based on i think a fictional solar system I thought it was a galactic level. It is galactic level. Oh, that's cool. All right. uh, What about you, Connor? Uh, So, I think I'm going to open. I've been playing. It's simultaneously a fairly old and a fairly new game, Fantasy Star Online 2. Okay. Uh, It came out in Japan, I believe, seven or eight years ago. And it just made it west, like, last week. Uh, yeah, and I grew like, up it, it just came to Xbox or something, right? It came that to Xbox One and PC. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's exclusive. It's not on PS4. Uh, and it's an MMO? It is an MMO. Although it's not... It's an old-school MMO. It's not like... Uh, it, it may not be similar to what you're used to if you've played like what World of Warcraft or it, it's more like Destiny than uh, World of Warcraft if that makes any sense like okay Destiny one like it's it's instanced play for the most part gotcha so I grew up playing uh, Fantasy Star Online episode one I also had episode two but I have never actually gotten anywhere in it because I didn't finish episode one mm-hmm. but uh it's an MMORPG and uh it's very anime sci-fi and uh, i just like the aesthetic of it a whole lot um the audio is super nostalgic for me i'm having a ton of fun with it but uh, before i get into the game i want to talk about how horrifying the pc launch has been oh really uh it's been a mix between the awful awful launcher apparently that sega is using uh which is apparently so bad some things some things gameplay wise are actually running through the launcher like, uh, what I've read is that other players, like, suits and stuff, like, their cosmetics, get downloaded by the launcher and then put in the game, which is incredibly slow. Or at least that's how it's been described to me. And as a developer, my first thought would be, that doesn't make any sense. That's nonsense. However, there is a fan-made launcher that solves the problem, and the game performs better, even though it's, it's the exact same game. It performs better when launched from the fan-made launcher. Okay, so I know, what is going on at Sega? Yeah, I don't know. 
The original, actually, I don't know about this one, but the original Fantasy Star Online was Sonic Team, too. It wasn't just Sega. It was Sonic Team. <laughs> no way. Wow. Yeah, but um, uh, I love that game. But the, uh, other than so you, and also, the, obviously, the uses, what? I said, are you using the fan-made launcher? Uh, the fan-made launcher actually froze my <clears throat> PC, so I am using. Oh. Yeah, I it was a it was a whole day to get this game to work for me. Um, because originally I was using Sega's launcher, which did not tell me why it was failing. Then I moved over to the fan-made launcher, which told me it was failing because my hard drive had filled up. And I checked, and lo and behold, it was a bigger game than I thought, and my hard drive filled up. So I cleared some space, tried to use the fan launcher. The fan launcher froze my PC. I had to uninstall the entire game, reinstall it, and uh, I used the fan launcher again, crashed my PC, uninstalled it, reinstalled it, used the Sega launcher, and it finally all worked, and I got to play the game. And I... I uh, ran the nostalgia, into the nostalgia for this game must be powerful for you to endure all that. Uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of it was like, like it didn't work one day, and I just gave up. And then the next day, I like started the install while I was working, and just mm-hmm. like checked whether or not the game even fundamentally worked. And the first time I launched the game, even like I was just running it while I was working to see if to see if the game even turned on, and I got stuck in a loop. Uh, it kept telling me to press enter to start. And then it would ask me to accept the terms of service and then go back to press enter for start, accept terms God. of service. But then after that, it just totally worked. So I think that was a fluke. But um, the other issue is that the, you can't get it through Steam or anything. You have to get it through the Microsoft Store. Mm. And uh, I haven't had any issue there uh, because I didn't use the Microsoft Store. It's also available on the Xbox Game Pass app, which is what I used. And apparently that is far more consistent. But I guess... Um, the Microsoft app, the Microsoft Store, whatever it's called, Marketplace, just doesn't work very well. Like, the game's not showing up for some people. People aren't able to update. Just all kinds of stuff. So it's like a combination between Microsoft and Sega, both just screwing uh, Fantasy Star fans. Yeah. And, and I wanted to say all that first, because once I got into the game, oh my god, the nostalgia washed over me. It was I, all I was worth just, it. Oh yeah, because I... I don't like MMOs typically that are like like you, you and I are both fans of Maple Story, which has a more active combat than like World of Warcraft, in my opinion. Uh, Fantasy Star is not fan. Fan is a strong word. Okay, yeah, I mean Fantasy Star is objectively a better game than Maple Story. I'll, I'll throw that out there. But uh, it, it's actually uh, it's a very active combat system. Like you're pressing, it's it's almost like an actual like beat 'em up. Like, you're pressing X to attack, you're pressing Y to use a special. You so, have... kind of like Maple Story, right? Cause like... it, it's similar to Maple Story, but like, no cooldowns, as far as I can tell. Like, you have mana, you have. It, it's much more like an action RPG than anything else, gameplay wise. Okay. That's cool. But you, you can start a party, and you go into these missions, and. Every mission, they're, they're often, like, op- the, the ones I've been doing so far are open air. Like, you're not, like, in a dungeon, but it it's a dungeon, essentially, in that it's instanced, and it's just your party there, and you fight your way through. You can do a couple of missions. You have dailies. Uh, it's a free, it's a totally free-to-play game, and I would totally suggest it to both of you, because I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, yeah, I, I heard a lot of hype around this game, and just not knowing anything about it... Uh, that's you know that was my first impression of it that like oh my god this is finally coming to the west yeah but, I, like, I, was afraid I do always hesitate when you know when it's an mmo because like i just fear for the impact that could have on my 
on my life. Yeah. Um, I, so far, the social side of it hasn't, because I've been playing it kicked back on my couch with a controller, because that's just how Final Fantasy is to me. That's how it's always been. Because uh, Final, Final Fantasy. Fantasy, Fantasy Star, sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's how it's always been, because I, I played Fantasy Star Online 1. I didn't even play it online. I was playing it. Uh, I didn't have the subscription, but you could just have the GameCube game and play it split screen. Yeah, so is there a subscription for this one? There's not. It is totally free to play. And uh, that's another thing. The uh, the transaction stuff doesn't seem predatory at all to me so far. Uh, as far as I can tell, it's just cosmetics. And uh, there's this thing in the game called a mag. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe if you've never played Fantasy Star before. But it's um, it like enhances your stats a little bit, I think, and also unlocks these like crazy super attacks. And you get one for free. And you have to like feed them, almost like they're pets and stuff, and they level up as you feed them certain things. And you really oh, want to cool. like spec your mag out to match your character, and uh, but you only get one for free per character, even though your character can do every class and level up separately in different classes, which I think is a cool feature, but uh, not something you should do uh, if you want to have a mag, because you can just create more characters and level them up in different classes. So you kind of have to pay money if you want one character that can do everything. But yeah. for free, you can also just have multiple characters with their own mag. I It totally seems like a game I wouldn't mind throwing a couple dollars in, because it's free. So like I don't mind stuff like that in a free game. It doesn't bother me at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, the cosmetics are pretty cool, too. Like So far, they haven't seemed... like There, there are free cosmetics. Uh, you can spend the in-game currency, Masetta. A lot of the best cosmetics are available like in the in-game shop which I think is a good play, so if you really want them, you can just get really good at the game and buy them. Yeah. I'm loving it so far. My only complaint would be, like, I don't really understand the social side of it yet. Like, I know that it has voice chat, but I haven't heard a single person using it yet. Yeah, I I imagine, like, are there, you know, like, endgame sort of activities like raids in this game? Uh, there are, essentially. There's so I imagine, like, raids, yeah. voice chat's gonna be probably pretty required for something yeah. like that, but maybe, like, in the casual, like, early game sort of phase you're in, most people are just using text. That's what it seems like. Well, I haven't even seen a lot of people using text. You're just not saying anything? Yeah, I and I, I feel like that's common in the early areas of a lot of MMOs that are, like, simple, like this one is. I mean, like, how... Multiplayer based is the gameplay though, where you are right now. Uh, I've been soloing it for the most part. Uh, I joined one person the other day, and they were for some reason doing my level five mission when they were like level thirty-seven. I don't know why they were doing it, and uh, they had finished it before I even caught up to them. <laughs> so, jeez. But yeah, do you imagine but, there's got to be like towns and social areas and stuff, right? Like I feel like you could go there and just hang out. So no, there's one town, and I'm doing air quotes right now, and it's it's the lobby, and uh, the lobby weird. has what's called blocks, which are just instances of the lobby, and uh, so so you're not you don't explore in this game really, like a like a typical MMO. Oh really? Okay. You have you have uh, you launch from a ship, and from this ship you teleport down to different planets do your mission and then come back to the ship. So there's only there's one weapon shop in the entire game. There's one, you know, one potion okay. shop, one. Yeah, I was totally having like 
you know, I was thinking of something like World of Warcraft or something. No, it's totally unlike that in its structure. And I, I see. Okay. I, I think I prefer. I, no, I don't prefer it because there's definitely a sense of living in a world that you get a little yeah. bit less from this. But see, like, I think that's the most attractive part of an of an MMO. Ultimately, I feel like just inhabiting the world and like. I think social areas are important, you know, like, I feel like that's... Well, there are social areas. Like, this lobby is, like, the prime social area. It's just the only one. Like, there's there's a little, like, soccer field that you can go over, and it's totally unrelated to the rest of the game, but you can just kick this ball around and play soccer. Like, you know, there are chairs around where you can just hang out. Huh? So that reminds me of Destiny. Fantasy Star. Destiny also has, like, a soccer field. Because it was in in Fantasy Star 1. Mm-hmm. But uh, and you know the lobby's fairly big and expansive. There's like there's like a casino in it that's fairly big, and apparently that's a fairly big part of the game. Although I haven't checked it out yet. The shopping area is massive. Like there's stuff to explore. I think you can have a house on the ship. The ship is like structured like this is a massive ship. Like okay, yeah. You know, assume you know. Imagine you're on a, a floating a city space mission. Like this is a floating city. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. It's more like a floating mall, I guess than a full floating city, but it's it's fairly big. Yeah. And uh, you know, you have your own special drop ship. I don't know. I could I could totally see myself but but it is more destiny than it is World of Warcraft. Like, I don't think anybody sat down and lived in Destiny One, you know? Um yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure people did, but like that wasn't the the draw. The draw was like the fun gameplay and stuff. I've seen it. Right. I've seen this. Yeah. One of the reviews I read compared the combat to Monster Hunter, which I don't think is really fair. I think they're just saying that because there's a dodge roll button now. But it is you, you are actually dodging attacks. Like your positioning matters. The attacks so, can be dodged. It's it's not your it's not your fundamental like stand in place and watch your cooldowns MMO combat that I feel like a lot of games use. Right. So this is like a sci-fi game, right? So I imagine like guns and ranged weapons are your primary form of combat. Um, so my character is maining something called a gun blade, which, uh, if I hit right bumper, it turns from a, a blade into a gun. If I hit right bumper again, cool. it turns back into a blade. Uh, mm-hmm. I also have a bow and a katana that I can use. I, I'm a class called a braver. But there's like you know lightsabers, laser rifles, bows. Uh, there's there's magic. I think it's called force in this game. Oh, but, really? But you know there are people throwing fireballs and they look. They're they're called. Space uh, magic system is called the force. Hmm. And no, it's not called the force. It's just called force. Okay. And uh, the force is probably not legally safe. Uh, I think it's yeah, usually not. just referred to as foe though. Big okay. big F little O. Hmm. And I think the people that use it are Fomar or something. I- I'm having trouble remembering all the sci-fi terms and stuff. But they- they're basically space elves, and they can throw fireballs. I, I a little bit miss... Um, in fi- eh, here, I'm about to say Final Fantasy again. In Fantasy Star Online 1, you could play as a hunter human. And basically, like, y- you were totally wide open. You weren't particularly good at anything, but you could use the lightsaber, you could use the gun, and you could use the magic based on the situation. And what I usually did was That's I just cool. played I played a Jedi, you know? I played mostly lightsaber, but I could throw fireballs and shoot lightning out of my hands and stuff. Yeah, I imagine that's the big... That roleplay aspect is a big draw for Star Wars yeah. fans. And there's super, like... 
everything looks so cool. There's a there's a race called the Cast, which are just robots, and they all look super super badass. Yeah, like uh, this game is just like pure eye and ear candy to me the entire time I'm playing it. I uh, they added a That's jump cool. button, which was like, uh, it didn't. The first How's the art not, style? Just out of huh? curiosity, how's the, the art, art style? style? Is really just an evolution of Fantasy Star Online One in the best possible way. I mean, it it doesn't look brand new, but it's not ugly either. Like it doesn't look it doesn't look I, eight years old. You could have well, convinced I guess, me it was like two or three years old, probably. I guess what I meant by that question when you said it was like an anime sci-fi game is it like cell shaded or is it you know like it's not it's it's a little cartoonish, but like realistic proportions if that makes sense i don't think cell shaded is the word but maybe cartoon shading a little bit okay it's definitely not like big outlines and stuff but it's also clearly not going for pure realism either it's a timeless you know how mmos typically try to go for a more timeless art style it seems like Mm -hmm. and they kind of did that here okay cool i I really would suggest you know if you got your xbox one sitting around pull it down it's got crossplay. i'd love to play it with you guys yeah, I might have to do that. Uh, especially, you know, free game Xbox One. The yeah, only, I would again, suggest getting it on the MMO, Xbox One. Probably. MMO scares me, but I don't think it'll do the typical MMO thing to you. I really don't. I think you'll like it, but I don't think it's gonna suck you into the world. It does show you the numbers when you attack, though, and that is gonna oh, get you. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, that's but there uh, aren't like. I guess if you play the magic users, there kind of are, but you don't typically like learn big skills and stuff. It's mainly getting better gear and using the same attacks and just kind of getting better at it. Oh, really? That uh, That's kind of disappointing to hear, I think. Yeah, for me I mean, at least. There's definitely a skill tree now, and I haven't gotten super deep into it, but if it's like Fantasy Star 1, the, uh, the, like, you could learn spells and stuff, but the spells were drops that you would find. Huh, and, interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely a skill tree now, but I think it's mainly passive uh, buffs and stuff you get from the skill tree. Yeah. But the, the like attacks a... are cool. Like, you know, with my bow, right off the bat, I had, like, a triple shot. I had, like, aim down sights shot. I had, um... And that's another significant thing. Enemies have weak points and stuff in this as well. Neat. And the super nostalgic thing for me, uh, this is probably what I'm going to end it on, but this is classic from uh, Fantasy Star Online 1. The the first boss in Fantasy Star Online 1 was a dragon that you kill. And yeah. uh, like a big, scary dragon. sci-fi dragon type thing. And uh, you could kill it, but if it was your first time fighting it, uh, you probably didn't know that it could fall over on you and kill you. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely lost. Uh, I died the first time I ever fought it to that, <laughs> and I had to redo the whole the whole mission. Oh man! And uh, in PSO two, yeah. I didn't die this time, but the the first boss I fought was this big gorilla thing, and it uh, when it died, I just wasn't paying attention because it like the camera changed to do like this big cutscene death thing, and I just had totally forgotten that, and it absolutely fell on me and dropped me down <laughs> to like five health. It's funny that that's that's a thing you have to even consider yeah i think it's super cool uh just last question for me just out of curiosity is there a pvp component to this uh not that i've seen um again this is the first time i've ever gotten to actually play these online so maybe but i don't know it it would make sense to me that there would be because it's skilled gameplay yeah 
So probably I, I can Google it real quick, I guess. I was just curious. Because, like, it, do, it does, you know, the more you talk about it, the more it sounds kind of like a Destiny Monster Hunter hybrid type thing. Oh, it has six-on-six six battle arena matches, which award cosmetic skins and costumes. It's mostly PvE, but PvP does exist. Right, yeah. If you want to play it, absolutely hit me up. It's got cross-play. I, uh, I think I'm on ship one, but I'll make sure. The ships are servers. Yeah. I do want to get through Bug Fables first, but absolutely, after that... Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'm probably gonna level my first character up, and then uh, I kind of want to make a cast for my next one. So that's, uh, that's how into this I am. I, I want to actually do multiple characters. Yeah. If I end up playing this game, I'm gonna spend just hours deliberating on like what I'm going, what like class I'm gonna pick. That's always you a don't big have thing to, for me because the cast uh, you can change, uh, you can change your uh, class whenever you want. Oh, oh really? I did. Yeah. Did you say that? Maybe yes, I, I did. Okay. The only thing is, uh, you might want to wait to like spec out your mag until you have picked a class, unless you want to spend a couple bucks to get a second mag later. Mm. Okay. But yeah, you can at any time. There's a desk you can go up to and change your class. That's so you can't like, switch in the middle of a mission, but as long as you're in the lobby, you can switch classes, and you can like recustomize your character, everything except like race. I'm pretty sure. So the only point in creating another character is for the mag, right? Or to play a different race. Okay. Yeah. And the races do, like, have importance. Like, I don't think casts can use the, the robot people. I don't think they can use magic at all. They couldn't in uh, the first They never system. can, can they? Yeah. Robots can never use magic. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. They don't, ha- they, they don't have the biological uh, inclination. Sure. <laughs> there is another thing I should mention, given recent events. But uh, apparently there are some fairly upsetting translations in the game. Like, kind of racist. Uh, really? Racist weapon names. How I... Like, I guess I don't want the answer to that question, but I'm trying to think, like, how would that even... It's it's like... There's like a gun called the Slave Shooter, apparently. I saw posted oh. on Reddit. Which Jeez. is not a good look. I mean, I guess that name's not inherently racist coming from Japan, but it's a bad look yeah. here, for I mean, sure. Star Wars, Star Wars made reference to, like, you know, like, Boba Fett's ship was called Slave One, you know, like, yeah. I think. It's, it's definitely, yeah, it's just a weird. But I think, yeah, and, and I think there's a nowadays couple Nowadays, that's definitely in more poor taste than it was yeah. before. Yeah. But good game overall. I, I'm not going to stop playing it over that. I I haven't even seen it yet. I just saw people posting about it on Reddit. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys. I think that's going to do it for this for us this week. Um, you can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on any podcast service you may use. Uh, you can click the description of this podcast to find a link to our Discord. Please join us there. Uh, thank you, Connor and Mike. Yeah, guys. See you next week. Yep. Stay See safe out week. there. Yep. Stay safe. And Black Lives Matter. <laughs>